And good evening, Lighthouse Bible Study participants. Well, we'll go ahead and get started. And uh, if you have your Bible, you want to open it to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hopefully you received your notes. Uh, if you did not, you can just email me. I'd be happy to send them to you when I get a moment to do so. Last week, we started out uh, the new year talking about the, the need for sound doctrine, how uh, it is a, an important part of being the church, being the people of God, especially in these challenging times, knowing what to think, what to say, how to give an answer, to those who are dealing with uh, whatever crises, whatever questions, whatever doubts they might be experiencing is, is critical. So uh, this week we're going to look at the foundation of sound doctrine. How do we know what to believe? What is the authority, the source that uh, we go to? to determine if a doctrine is true or false. And, of course, I'm talking about our Holy Scriptures, our Holy Bible. And that's going to be our focus tonight. So Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes here, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right. Well, it kind of, I don't know if Paul wrote this uh, 2,000 years ago or yesterday, but it sounds like uh, the world we're living in today, doesn't it? All of these uh, adjectives, all these descriptions that Paul gives of how people will be in the last days and how the church and those who are faithful will, uh, will, will have to stand up against all of the uh, false teachings, all of the imposters, all of those who uh, love and promote a lie how they'll have to continue in, Paul says, the things which we have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom we have learned them. And there he is saying, we have learned them from childhood, from knowing the Holy Scriptures. The only thing that can stand up to the, to the lies to the deceptions, to the imposters, to all of, of what we are, are being just overwhelmed with on a daily basis. And it's so easy to get caught up in it. It's so easy to get swept away in the tide of, of all that is uh, being promoted, all of the, the, the politics, the philosophies, the the cultural shifts that are happening. And, and I want to just say here that you know, none of this really should have caught anyone by surprise. This is all laid out. It's all, I mean, just in this one chapter, Paul does uh, a real good job of just laying out how things are going to be and how the world is going to, to really be just full of all of these things as we grow closer and closer to the return of Christ. Uh, but to keep from being swept away, to be able to hold our own, we have to know the Scriptures. We have to be able to refute the lie, and the only thing that can refute the lie is the truth. And in this chapter, Paul makes a, makes a, a huge point out of its scripture that will uh, expose, that will reprove, that will correct, that will instruct, that will, you know, uh, we, we have this, and I was thinking a little bit about this today, you know, uh, we, we, I think, I, I think you're, the reason you're on this call tonight, and the reason uh, you're, you're listening in is because you know that the Bible matters. It's, it's important. I was just thinking today, you know, this this book, which is you know, in the form that we have it, 
is almost 2,000 years old. And if you were to talk to someone, uh, you know, a philosopher today, they would tell you, you know, we've come so far. We've, we've learned so much. We don't need to, you know, look back to, to what somebody had to say 2,000 years ago, uh, that we, you know, we, we were, we're much more educated, much more intelligent, much more knowledgeable these days. And, and, you know, all of that stuff is out of date. All of that, uh, all of that stuff is just, you know, that's from the past and, and we can just move on without it. And, and we, we've got this figured out now. And then I thought, and then all the people that buy into that, all the people that go that way, and then just take a look around our, our nation and our world today and just look at what a mess human philosophies and human ideas that have diverged and and have have moved away from the scriptures what a mess we have made even in the church uh, by substituting modern ideas substituting human philosophies and human wisdom for the word of god and uh, it, it, you know as, as true as it was when paul wrote these words it's even more true today. Without the guidance of God's Word, without the light, the lamp, the fire, the mirror, the, the hammer that is the Word of God, we cannot help but fall into deception, into corruption, into self-idolization, and all of the things that Paul describes in this chapter. So why... Why do we place such value and such import? Why do we ascribe such a central role to a 2,000-year-old book? Why do we look at this and, and you know, attempt our best to build our faith and to build our, our lives around the stories of people that have been dead and gone? For millennia, what is it about this book? What is it about these words that um, even today call to our hearts, to our minds, uh, challenge us, inspire us, humble us, uh, and 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 give us hope? What makes this book so very special? And I've given you. I've given you five statements that we're going to go through tonight. But before we do that, I'll just open the floor. Does anyone, does anyone have a comment? What does the Bible mean to you? What, what, what role do you see it playing in your day-to-day life? Um, you know, it reminds me of the script here that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's the role of the scripture at least in my life, because it shows me, it teaches me right from wrong and the path that I need to walk in to stay on track and on, you know, with that focus on Christ. Amen. Amen. I, you know, we live, I know I, I, I try so hard to stay away from all the nonsense that's going on 
these days. But you know, they're, they're, it, it's a fair question. I, I think it's a fair fair question to to say or to ask the question: If not the Bible, then what? What would you look to for answers about what's happening in the world today? What would you what would you have? I mean, I know there's some people that think um, that uh, you know the news programs. I think there's I think you know there's a lot of Christians that that think uh, you know that Fox News is the 67th book of the Bible. Uh, there's others that, you know, put all their stock, uh, put all their stock in some, you know, other program or other commentator or other philosophy. But I, I just, you know, I'll put the question to you. If not the Bible, then, then what are you going to use as your guide? What, what would be that lamp? What would be that light? Does, it, does anyone want to offer a suggestion? I don't think we would have um, any alternative possibly. I think that we would be if more relative. We would keep shifting from, from one um, philosophy or from one belief to another. So we'll end up like... like um, in the next some of the other religions that have so many, many gods. So you keep, one day you believe in this, that they believe in the other thing, and then the next day, you know, we just, that's like what the world is doing now, you know. Yeah. And I look at the Bible as, it's like, a, to me, it's a, a guide, it's a, a mirror, it's, it's, it's a path that takes you. It's like a navigator. Navigate takes takes you to 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 God. Right. Amen. Amen. You, 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 what you mentioned there, I think, is so important. If if you if you reject the authority of the Bible, if you if you just treat it like another book, you really are going to just bounce from. Uh, one philosophy to another. You know, when, when when we look at some of the other religions, you know, the Muslims have the Quran, um, you know, the Jews at least, you know, uh, look at the Old Testament, um, and and certainly they they put a lot of value on those like we like we do with with the Old and New Testaments, but you know the the majority of people in the world. Um, basically, uh, don't regard anything as authoritative in the absolute sense. They may say, "Well, if it works for you, or if it's good, if it's your truth, if it's what you want, then go for it." But this idea of an absolute standard, this idea of an absolute uh, measuring stick against which all ideas, all thoughts, all words, all philosophies, all doctrines must be compared is is really something that the world today would just look at and laugh and say that's you know, that's you know that's foolishness. 
But when we look at it, we know that you know generations come, generations go. The philosophies are in favor and out of favor. Uh, but the Word of God abideth forever. And uh, that's one of the things I think that gives us comfort is knowing that whatever is whatever the popular philosophy of today is, it's going to fade. It's going to you know it's going to wither. But the principles, the doctrines, the teachings of God's word will continue on from generation to generation. All right. So let's look at what makes the uh, the scriptures special. We looked here in Second Timothy three and. We see here that uh, it's Paul's declarations that the scriptures are a work of divine inspiration, that they are God-breathed, that this is not just human ideas or human philosophies, but this is the Word of God. When we talk about inspiration, you know, that can be understood in a couple of ways. But the way that we understand it, the way that we believe it, is that the people who wrote these scriptures were directly inspired by the breath of God. That they were they were in a in a in such a state that while they were still in their own minds, their thoughts, their words were were being uh, inspired and influenced by God Himself. That it's God speaking into their minds and speaking into their hearts what He want, wants to communicate and what He wants to to share about Himself and about uh, about the uh, the world that He's created. The Scriptures are the result of God speaking through His prophets and His Son. The testimony of Hebrews chapter one is that it was God who was speaking, not just to those who wrote, but through those prophets and through the words of his son, that these words that were recorded, whether it be Moses, be David, be Abraham, or Daniel, uh, Jesus, Paul, that these were the words of God himself as he was speaking through them. That these prophets, according to Second Peter chapter one, spoke as they were prompted by the Spirit of God. Um, you know, they did not set out to write the Bible. They did not set out to create a book or a document that would, you know, be the standard of faith. Um, they simply responded to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. You go back to Exodus. Moses called up to the mountain and, and God commanding him to you know, write these words and take these words to the people. Uh, you know, so many examples of that throughout both the Old and New Testament. And when you compare that to the so-called prophets of today and those who claim to speak for God now, um, it's you, you can see such a, a huge difference. Inspiration is uh, is the key to the Word of God. Without that, you are just dealing with uh, human ideas, maybe good ideas, maybe not. But it's the inspiration of God that makes them 
the Word of God. Uh, if you want to turn over to uh, Romans chapter 16, we can read a verse from there and from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Scriptures are a work of divine revelation. Romans 16, verse 25 says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. The revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. What do we mean by this word revelation? There's certain things that are simply unknowable. They are things which cannot be discerned by scientific study, by the pursuit of education, by the observation of the world around us. There's some things we have to be told. They're hidden. They're not available in the sense, you know, we, we can look into the nighttime uh, sky and see all the stars and make some deductions about, you know, how those stars uh, got to be there. But with all of our guesses and with all of our uh, you know, with all of our our science, we would never, I don't think, have been known that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and uh, and the whole the whole first chapter of Genesis is revelation. It's it's information which no man was there to record. No one, no one was standing at God's side. You know, writing down, okay, God said, let there be light. God said, do this. God said, do that. We, would ha- we had to be told that. We had- that had to be revealed. And, of course, the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, again, was something that had to be revealed by God. And when we think about all of the mysteries, all of the, the, uh, the things that the Bible reveals that would otherwise have been always hidden from our knowledge or never been able to be discovered. We, we, we know that we need uh, the revelation of God and we need to, to be able to let God tell us about the truth about himself rather than just offer up a bunch of uh, educated guesses as to who or what God might be. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained, before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, 
they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The Scriptures are a revelation from the Spirit of God, who alone knows the deep things of God, which the carnal mind can never know. I think a good example of this is when you look at the various idols and various, uh, you know, trees and <laughs> sculptures and the things that people worship. Uh, well, I was going to say worship, you know, years ago, but I guess there's still places where they're worshiped now. And you just think, you know, how, how, how did that culture come to believe in a God with the body of a, a man and the head of a jackal? You know, how did that culture come to believe in a God with the head of a man and the body of a fish? You know, we, we, we look at that and we say, that's, that's so nonsensical. And yet, when you really begin to understand, without the help of the Spirit of God, you know, we would not even really know who God really is and what he's really like. We would still be in that darkness. We'd still be in that grasping after uh, a truth which is always out of our reach. Yeah, the scriptures are a work of divine revelation. God had to tell us. We never would have guessed otherwise. All right, you can uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. The scriptures reveal those things which have not been made known in any other way. In other words, the revelation of the Scriptures is exclusive to the Scriptures. You can't, you can't go to another source or another avenue to learn the things that are found in Scripture. Now, there are many ways to learn algebra. There's many ways to learn math. You can go to many of those sources to learn history both real and fake, but you can 
If you want to know the things revealed by the Spirit of God, you have to go to the Scriptures, and only to the Scriptures. The next section says the Scriptures are a work of divine interpretation. If we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we read verses 12 through 16, Paul says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Of course, one of the great challenges in reading the Scriptures, particularly for unbelievers, and I know, I know a lot of us, uh, you know, have, have passionately prayed and 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 argued over the years to put the Bible back in school, to you know, put the ten on the courthouse steps and those kind of things. And by the way, I'm still all for those things. But one of the things that we do need to understand is, you know, the Bible is not some magic talisman that uh, just by reading it, one is automatically converted. Uh, there are millions upon millions upon millions of people that uh read the Word, that have read the Word, that were taught the Word, that uh, that were raised on the Bible, uh, and yet have completely and utterly and totally missed the truth that it contains. Uh, that may sound impossible, that someone could have the Bible read to them every day and never understand or comprehend what it is saying, or worse yet, misunderstand and miscomprehend and, and, and take the Bible and what it teaches in, in some corrupt or deviant path. But the reality is, according to Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that if one does not have the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit, one will never really be able to discern the true meaning and the true uh, truth that the Bible was written to communicate. Uh, does anyone have a, an experience with this or a? Well, um, you know, to me, you know, I, I've gotten into many, too many, really. I've really tried to get away from it in recent years, but I've gotten into so many, uh, you know, conversations, arguments, whatever, over a scripture with with people. And, uh, you know, it really does uh, at times, you know, baffle me how, you know, we can both read the same scripture and come to completely different understandings of what it's saying or what it means. And 
And that's really where you begin to understand that without the Holy Spirit's help to understand it, to interpret it, to discern it, um, you know, the, the Word of God is a double-edged sword. It can, uh, it can do, really, quite a lot of damage if someone attempts to, uh, attempts to make sense of it without the help of the Holy Spirit to discern it. Uh, I won't read the passages. I know we're, we're kind of getting a little later, so there's passages in Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus is talking with his disciples about why he speaks in parables, and he tells them that uh, the purpose of the parables is for the people who who don't believe in him for them to not understand. And we think, you know, I was kind of reading that last night as I was studying. I thought, you know, that's that's really I, uh, it's an amazing thought to me. I don't know if if you really understand what what that means, but that you know, there's some things in the Bible that are there specifically to keep people from the truth if they're not willing to come to the truth through Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know what that does to your theology, but when we really kind of understand that it has, you know, Jesus says to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to those it has not been given, and that really kind of almost puts us in that that whole um, argument for some people just aren't meant to ever know God, to ever know Christ. But I think what we have to do is leaven that with the realization that it is the rejection of Jesus himself which keeps them from understanding the word. And we learn that from Luke chapter 24, where he's on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples after his after his resurrection. And it's not until he... Uh, or he spends the, the whole journey showing them from Moses, which is you know, Genesis through the whole Torah, uh, and all the prophets, how everything in the scriptures was written to, to bring uh, or pointing to him, to bring Israel to the point of faith in him, and that by rejecting him, the the whole point of the scriptures becomes irrelevant. Jesus is the key to interpreting all scripture, not just New Testament, but Old Testament. Everything in the Bible has to be understood in its relationship to Jesus. And only by uh, coming to faith in Jesus can we really understand the point of the scriptures. The scriptures are a work of divine preservation. Um, I know I know how many of you know how the, the the Bible came to be put together. How many of you know the story of even the King James Bible? I know we uh, if you ever read the the preface, uh, read the front of the King James Bible how how the word 
of God was preserved, how it was kept, how it was passed down from generation to generation. But the, the first measure of preservation was God's command to the prophets and to the apostles and to uh, the, the, the writers of the Bible to write down um, putting the Bible in written form was a key to preserving those words. We all remember that game of telephone when we were children, where you would whisper a sentence into the ear of the child next to you, and they would turn to the next person in the circle and all the way around to the uh, to the last child, and by the time the last child spoke what had been originally uh, written, it bore no resemblance to what had been said. And that's, you know, that's the danger of relying on people's memories or relying just on oral traditions. Now, oral traditions can be very important, and certainly the Bible has a number of them, but the writing it down, the preservation of the original words, the original thoughts of the authors of Scripture is so key. It's so important. We we know that, uh, you know, I think one of the more dramatic discoveries of the past hundred years or so were the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know how many of you know uh, about this or, or have studied this, but uh, back in, I think, the late 1940s, a cave was discovered that had some sealed up uh, jars, and when the seals were broken, copies of the scriptures were found inside that go back uh, to even before the time of Christ. And uh, when they pulled those scrolls out and began to decipher them and interpret them, uh, they found that they were uh, wholly coherent with the modern scriptures. In other words, uh, you know, here we had two writings that were thousands of years apart, and yet they matched up in such a way as to demonstrate the utter reliability of the Word of God, that these words have been preserved. They have been preserved uh, into books so that they could be passed on from one generation to another, and they have been preserved from loss. Many has been the tyrant, many has been the oppressive regime that has tried to uh, stamp out, burn out, consume all of the Bibles, all of the Word of God, and yet God always preserves uh, this book and so that it not only endures, but it proliferates. And there's a great story I've included in your notes in 1 Kings chapter 22 about the finding of the book of the law in the temple. Uh, that it had been generations since anybody had read it or seen it or even known about it. But God had kept it safe, kept it hidden, while wicked kings had ruled. And uh, and it wasn't until the tender heart of Josiah was 
on the throne that the book was rediscovered and Israel called back to their covenant relationship with God. I love that story and and just the idea that even even in those times where uh, the world tries to shut out the voice of God, he still has uh, hidden away in the hearts of his temple, his people, his holy word, and it will come out again uh, when the world is worthy of it. All right, our last section deals with the scriptures as a work of divine grace. If we, uh, if we go back to Ephesians 3.17 for just a moment, I think one of the things that really we can become a little um, complacent, I guess, is maybe a good word. that you know we we have this book we have this incredible um revelation inspired work of God the holy spirit to help us read it and understand it and i guess like most things that become familiar to us they sort of take on a common complacent sort of sense of entitlement but appreciating the fact that the scriptures are a gift from God that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we might be rooted and grounded in love and comprehend with all the saints the width the length the depth the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge be filled with all the fullness of God the idea that these scriptures were given so that we could share in the knowledge, and by sharing in the knowledge, share in the life and love of Jesus Christ is something we should never take for granted. Jesus said, you search the scriptures, and these are these which testify of me. I want you just to imagine, I think, I think it's good sometimes to challenge some of our privilege, to challenge some of our our complacency and our entitlement. Imagine if we were in a world today in which there was no scripture, no Bible, no testimony. How would we know of this amazing gift of Jesus Christ? How would we know? You say, well, you know, people would have passed it down, but how would we know that what they passed down was true? John 17, 17 tells us, thy word is truth. The scriptures are given to lead us. I think when we started, I think Sister Marjorie said that the, the, the value of the scriptures is that it, it shows you what's true and what's false, what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's wrong. How shall a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119 asks. So when we when we see this book on our table or we we have it on our phone or our our tablet or whatever, I think we need to understand that this, uh, along with the gift of Jesus Himself and His Spirit, is the most precious thing that God has given to us. The precious Word of God 
Uh, and I'm not trying to talk, I'm not trying to, you know, I know, sometimes we get a little fetishy and we want to turn the Bible into some kind of idolatrous thing, and I don't want to do that. The point of the Word of God is to lead us to the God of the Word. The Bible is a guide. The Bible is a lamp. It's a light. It's to get us to the knowledge of God, knowledge which we could not have without these scriptures. And so to honor that gift and to recognize that it's a divine act of God's grace, the divine act of God's grace, he did not have to tell us anything. He didn't have to reveal any character of himself. He could have left us. There was no divine obligation for God to speak to us. There was no need. He could have said, look, you know, figure it out. But the fact that he loves us enough to send us this book and these books so that we might be able to grow in the knowledge of him, that we might be able to learn who he is, and that we might be able to know the truth from the deception is an absolute act of grace, unmerited favor of God. And uh, I think it's so important that we remind ourselves of that uh, in studying the Bible, that all of these revelations are gifts that given by God to help us know ourselves, know one another, and know him. Do you have any uh, thoughts or comments on the scriptures as a work of divine grace? Yes, Pastor, I, you know, you know, hearing you explain that it, it shows me that great love of God to humanity that he would reveal himself, you know, through or having a written word so that we can find our way back to him. He didn't have to do it, but as you said, it's a work of grace towards us. I'm grateful for that grace. Amen. Amen. Me me as well, sister. Okay. Well, that's all I've got for you tonight. We'll, we'll come back next week and jump into uh, this Pentecostal catechism that we talked about last week. And I just wanted to make sure we understood the foundation that we are building, all the doctrines that we're going to be looking at and all the doctrines we're going to be teaching are rooted and grounded in this book. They're divinely inspired divinely revealed, divinely interpreted, divinely preserved. They are gifts of God's divine grace, and we ought to value them as such. There is no doctrine, no truth, which we, are, uh, which we, we can afford to just disregard or discount. If God took the time to tell us about it, if God took the time to show us it, if God took and made the initiative to reveal it, then it must matter. I got frustrated with somebody once, a supposed believer, who, who told me, or, or didn't tell me, but said in, in our discussion that, uh, 
you know, they only, I forget exactly how they put it, but basically the idea was there was only three books in the Bible they even bothered to read. <laughs> I mean, one was the God, all you got to read is the Gospel of John and uh, Revelation and, and one other one. And, and I thought, you know, my goodness, you know, I guess God wasted his time with the other 63 books, you know. He could have just given us those three and, you know, we're done. Um, and, and you know, that's obviously that person, I, I don't understand their philosophy, but everything in this Bible is revealed by God to us. So it, 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 it has to matter. It has to mean something. There's no part of it we can just say, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about uh, all the begats and and all of that stuff because, you know, that's just boring history and I don't need to know it. No, if it's part of God's Word, it matters. It's essential to understanding the whole truth. You know, that, uh, that famous, uh, if you watch the courtroom dramas, you know, that... Uh, uh, the Matlocks and the Perry Masons and the, uh, the Judging Amys and all those kind of shows. You know, there's always that scene where they, the person gets up in the witness stand and they have to swear with their hand on a Bible to do what? To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, you know, I kind of like that. That in putting your hand on the Bible, what is the Bible? The Bible is the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. All from in the beginning to even so come Lord Jesus. All right, well, let's keep, uh, let's keep our nation in prayer. Obviously, uh, we're going through a very difficult time right now. And uh, just pray for peace. Pray for people uh, to uh, resolve their differences in the spirit of uh love and understanding. Yes, I know what I'm asking, but uh, yeah, our nation doesn't need any more division. I, I think we need to just uh, pray. Pray for those in Congress, those in the White House, those who are going to soon be in the White House. Our nation needs a lot, needs revival, needs the healing touch of God. Is this pandemic to end? And uh, I know we we continue to lift up those who are suffering, the families in the church that have suffered loss, that have experienced grief, that are going through times of sickness, and we remember them tonight as we close. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to teach your word. I thank you for your word. This divine gift of grace, this light, this lamp, this that gives us hope and helps us believe. We thank you, God, for showing yourself to us, for showing your Son to us, for giving us your Spirit that we might discern and understand who you are. We pray tonight, God, that you would touch our nation, touch our homes, our families, our schools, touch those, O oh God, who are hurting tonight, who are grieving, who are sorrowing, those who are sick, move in our nation, move in our churches, move in the pews and the pulpits, God, and 
not just a wave of repentance and revival, bring us back from the brink. Lord, we are your people, and we want to be a light to the darkness that is all around us. So, God, we just pray for your help. Bring us back at the appointed times. Keep us as we go about our business for the kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone. We'll uh, get together again next Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a good evening. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.